what better way to show your support than by purchasing some of our amazing LTGW merchandise. We have caps, t-shirts, cups, mugs, tumblers, hoodies, wristbands, watch bands, and so much more. Stories about addiction? We might. Oh. Stories about recovery, too? Hmm. But mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars? And thieves? And gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are on the air with me, Nancy Adair, the host and creator of Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores, the podcast that brings you stories from the dark side and the light side of both addiction and recovery. Every week, I bring you topics focused on recovery and experts in the field and guests who are themselves in recovery. So today, I'm very excited to introduce you to a longtime friend of mine and business associate, Lori Jones. And Lori Jones is a singer, a songwriter extraordinaire, and I've watched her perform in public, in person. I just love everything about her music and she is sober and so I thought that this would just be a great way to introduce Lori and I also want to tell you that when you listen to the intro the musical intro Lori is who I turn to along with her son Torin to create that great intro so thank you so much Lori. Oh, hi. Good to be here. I I actually forgot about that intro and that seems like it was so long ago, but that was so much fun. And thank you for that that really, really um, great um, and generous intro. Um, so yeah, I'm Lori Jones and um, yeah, this is Sober Lori Jones, <laughs> which is interesting and wonderful. I had someone talk about another podcaster asked her the question what is the tagline of your sober journey i was like huh i'm gonna really think about that one mm, mm. is that a question for me what is the tagline well does anything come immediately to mind yeah i think the first thing that came to mind to me just when you said that which i'm going to go with is takes one to know one um because of um, some work I'm doing with a, um, a little company called Bad Mother Hype. But I think that, you know, I really like that tagline because it does take one to know one. And it takes a lot to even know yourself. And so, um, so yeah, that's my answer. I'm sticking to that one. You know, I spent 17, no, 13 years at the recovery center um, in Mercy Hospital. So it was a rehab within a hospital. And during those 13 years, most of the patients, clients were very grateful to know that some of the clinicians were also in recovery. You know, they felt um, more taken care of knowing that someone had been through some of the journey. 
and you know it wasn't like I had experienced all of the same journey that's for sure but uh, there are just things that it takes one to know one yes exactly <laughs> so Lori what are some of the things that brought you to deciding to live this way of life I know it's not for everybody no. Um, wow, that's a great question right out of the gate. Um, so many things brought me to the point where, you know, really in a nutshell, something needed to change. Um, you know, what is the definition of insanity? It's repeating the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different outcome. And so I spent, I want to say a decade, and it was, it was, it was about a decade um, just repeating the same cycle, um, kind of looking around myself and, and, um, you know, now I'll identify it as self-sabotage a bit and, and looking at that and saying, you know, what is it about this that, that I'm on repeat about? And, you know, the, the day that I actually made the decision that I would stop drinking, and stop um, using alcohol, I posed the question to myself, like, what would it look like? Like, what if, or how, how, much, how much different would life be? And how much different would I feel about all the problems I've created right now, if I just didn't drink anymore? And that was really where, you know, it really um, became a reality, reality to me is, you know, what what could be different in this insanity? A recent guest on my show talked about that with a much broader scope. Like just if I wasn't worried, what mm. would my life look like? And I thought, what a great coaching question. <laughs> yeah, it is. If I wasn't worried. And, you know, and it's really, you know, it's the ripple effect of that. What if I wasn't... Um, what if I didn't feel like shit every day when I woke up? What if I didn't, what if I didn't have raging anxiety every day? Uh, what if I wasn't like in my head thinking about, okay, am I going to drink today? Am I not going to drink today? Am I going to drink today? Am I not going to drink today? Like what, it, think about like what could possibly eliminate all of this chatter if I just didn't drink anymore. And then I was willing at that point to say, all right, well, let's, I was willing to give it a shot, you know, because every other strategy I had at that point wasn't really working out. What would it be like if I didn't wake up every morning feeling like shit? That's a mm. great question. And has sobriety made waking up different? Very much so. Very much so. It's, it's, um, it's really interesting. And this really goes out to folks who might be really early in sobriety. Um, I'm going, I'll, I'll be seven years in November. And so what, what it felt like initially, even the first year, what it felt like is so much different than what it feels like now. Um, you know, you know, go from that one day to make that decision to now. I mean, I love waking up. I wake up early. I love my morning routine. I love those morning hours. And being a um, being a songwriter, those are my hours. 
I mean, those are the times where I really am the most creative. It's the time if I need to write anything, you know, whether it's a proposal, whether it's how I'm going, you know, any type of content I need to create um, to support my business. Those are the times I can do that. And when I think back at all the time that I spent not feeling great, anxiety, oh God, what did I do? Who did I offend? Um, it's a lot of time. And so now I, I, I really look forward to that. I go to bed really early and I wake up feeling ready. I feel good. I feel like, you know, I wake up when I'm supposed to and I take advantage of those, um, what, I, what I believe are very precious, precious hours. It was early morning, highly creative. You know, when I was first thinking about this podcast, it came to me in meditation, the name Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores. And then it was upon awakening one morning when I had that tune from the Wizard of Oz, Lions, ah. Tigers, and Bears that came to me in the morning, you know, just as I was waking up and that, as you know, with your help became the intro. <laughs> so yeah. So sobriety has played a key role in your intuition. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love that question because um, sobriety plays a key role in my intuition because I am, have always been what I believe a very intuitive person, which may even mean I'm a very sensitive person. And so I think that that um, contributed and fueled um, some of the reasons that I would drink, that it fueled the anxiety, like being in a room and feeling intuitive, maybe feeling other people's uncomfortableness, people's body language, it would make me uncomfortable and it, you know, it might even in turn lead me to drink more. Um, and so I've always been intuitive, but I think the differences in sobriety is understanding and this is probably going to make you laugh, Nancy, understanding the difference between being intuitive or being paranoid. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, even earlier uh, when you were talking about anxiety, I was thinking that I never recognized what an anxious person I was when I was using drugs and drinking alcohol because I was keeping all that anxiety masked by the substances and even in long-term sobriety i have sometimes masked it with what i call uh not very sober behavior and for for an alcoholic in recovery non-sober behavior gets pretty uncomfortable quickly and then taking a look at it means I've got to find other ways to cope with what I'm feeling anxious about. Because the sobriety didn't help me feel less anxious. It may have even made me feel more anxious. Hmm. It's true. And you, you know, and I'm, I'm only speaking from my own experiences. Um, I found myself really having to work through those feelings. And that's really hard because, the, you know, I'm, you're not in a place where you can, you know, 
have a bottle of wine and sort of say like, hey, I've had a rough day. I have a lot of anxiety. I deserve to drink this wine. Um, now it's, I, you know, it, 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 it hasn't, you know, not drinking hasn't removed any of those feelings. You know, it, it, if anything, you know, I, I need to work through those and be more in touch with it than before. But to your point, um, when I was drinking, you know, I didn't even know I had such an anxiety um, issue, I guess we'll call it. I didn't know I had a lot of anxiety. And then when I quit drinking, I realized, wow, these are things I'm going to have to really work through. And, you know, in all honesty, it, it's painful. It's painful to sit with yourself and sit with those feelings. Well, and I think especially when you're a rock star, <laughs> like, ah. It's kind of being out there very public. You're on stage, you're in front of hundreds of people. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I saw an interview recently on television. I'm trying to remember the recording artist's name, but she has Tourette's syndrome. And it doesn't um, appear when she's on stage, you know, when she's singing. And, it's very interesting to me because I know like from movies that stuttering stops when you're um, singing and, yeah. you know, and that might be an anxiety related problem. However, I just think, oh my gosh, just interviewing, like I saw her interviewed by Dave Letterman, you know, it, it's interviewed is different than being out there singing. Mm -hmm. um, all the parts of being a singer, songwriter, a rock star, as I said, you know, it's like as you become very public and your life becomes very public, then I would imagine that would have some trials and tribulations, especially to be someone that publicly says, I'm choosing to live clean and sober. Yeah. And, you know, you know, when thinking back, I mean, part of, you know, I want to say like my upbringing in music, because I've spent decades like living in bars, like living in bars, like playing in bars, paying my dues and, you know, surrounded by really that type of lifestyle. You know, it's just it kind of goes hand in hand, like rock and roll and alcohol and, um, and you know, and I'm going to say uh, you know, even back in the day, I wasn't one to drink while I was playing, but I certainly like to have a drink before and I would like to have like a signature drink after or or, or more than a, a few to, to unwind, you know, to be able to go to sleep and sort of bring things back down again. And so um, I always had this sort of agreement with myself and that was that I wouldn't, that I didn't drink while I was performing. And, you know, for a long time, that worked out for me. And I think one of the kind of pivotal times for me is when I actually found myself to be pretty intoxicated one time at a gig. And I and I knew kind of in that moment that I was in trouble. And that was and it was even a long time before I quit drinking. But I knew in that moment, like, yeah, this is this is new and this is not fun. And I was really afraid and I was really disappointed in myself the next day, a lot of anxiety. Um, so it goes hand in hand. And so when I, you know, I got to a point where I was just drinking too much and I was be, not being productive at all with music. 
not recording, not writing, not practicing, just none of it. And so when it came to the point that I made the decision to get sober, um, and it's more around the question you asked, it, it was very awkward for me. It was really awkward and I took a bit of a break where I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't find my place because I couldn't see myself in bars right at that point. And I, and I really went into, you know, what I'm going to call is I went into an isolation where I just stopped communicating with a lot of people and I stopped communicating with my band and I wasn't writing and I was just, I would call it just, just surviving sort of day by day. And it's taking some time to get there. And, and since then I've recorded two records and, and, and when I was recording a, a record that I did called Bridges, I was only about two years in sober. And I'm not gonna lie, it was awkward. It was really awkward for me. And then getting the van together and going back out and trying to figure out where I was gonna play. And, you know, it's been, it's been awkward. And so, you know, I, I, my hope is that sobriety just keeps getting better and better because that's what it seems like it's been for me. And so the past, I would say two years, three years, particularly the last two years have been so good. And I've, you know, being a musician, putting out a new record that I wrote during the pandemic, and I had to come, you know, it was that those early morning hours, like we talked about, me just coming to grips with a lot of stuff. And it made me stronger in my sobriety, weaker in my sobriety. I'm not going to lie, it's both. Stronger, weaker, aware being with my emotions but but coming out with like some some real stuff that I had to work out and so um yeah it's hard when when you know you have a band or you have people that are sort of wondering like where did she go what is she doing you know I was cleaning up a mess that I made of myself are there any specific lyrics or a song that reflect some of that working it out you know yes you know there there are a lot of songs but on the new record the what i really came to you know and for for those that are listening and nancy it might make you giggle but i really came to a place of forgiveness like i just like i it it's just been me for so long that I I'm not letting anybody off the hook for anything they ever did. That was me. Like I'm just not. And like I'll kick your ass, you know. And that that that's been my mentality. It's like and and you know and I have. And and that's the way it's been. It's like you know there's this, this fire in me, and I feel like I for a long time like I've been fighting, I've been fighting, I've been fighting, and I've I've come to some terms that it's okay for me to have that fight in me because that's real like anger is is a real necess it's a ne um necessary emotion for me it like I, I sometimes i need to get angry about things but how i react is what's so important and in that i gotta forgive because we're all at the end of the day you know not particularly 
you know, happy or proud of some of the horrible things we've done. You know, we've, you know, I'm so basically like I'm cutting some people some breaks that I was unwilling before to cut them. And so I was, um, do you want me to play you a, a little song? I would love that. So I'll, I'll tell you, um, this song is called Good Man. And I woke up one morning and it was, um, super early i had insomnia but again you know i was telling you how i i love these times of the day and i had been thinking about forgiveness i had been thinking about no one's really proud of their worst day and i decided to let some folks off the hook for that and um and it came to me that mostly people are good and, and I'm good. And so I wrote the song and it was, it was pretty automatic and instant. And I wrote it really quickly and it's a short tune and this is called Good Man. So I'll give you, I'll, I'll play that for you. Thank you, Lori. That's wonderful. And can I share with our listeners the favorite lyric from one of your songs of mine? Yes, absolutely. It's this lyric that says, I come from a long line of angry women. <laughs> you know? And I just think what you were saying about emotions, Lori, there was a, a former client of mine that said the best part of recovery is that I'm in touch with my emotions and the hardest and most challenging part of recovery is that I'm in touch with my emotions. It was exactly the same thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, when I wrote that, that was me just like, it, I, it felt like so to the core because it's like who, like I'm, I'm like, I'm judging and I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm going to be the first one who's going to hurt you mm-hmm. like that. Like, and it is the hardest part. It's the best part and it's the hardest part all rolled up into one nice little package. And I think what you said about forgiveness too, that is the best part and the hardest part and forgiving ourselves. Mm. And for what you said, you know, some of the, the debacle that we made of our lives. You know, I, I think about some of the very humorous stories from active addiction, like you said, maybe, you know, stumbling over a cord on stage when you're three sheets to the wind during a gig. (laughs) I don't know what actually took place, but some of those stories are really funny to tell afterward. They're not very funny to live in the moment. You know, I think of my friend overseas who I've titled the naughty nun because she gambled away all the convent's money. Oh, wow. You know, and again, for her at that moment, and when they told her that she'd have to go to the rehab for naughty nuns, (laughs) that's what the nuns called it. That's not what the administration called it or the convent called it. (laughs) That sounds like an album title. Yeah, well, it, it it will be one of the podcast titles. That she I love that. I mean, I love I, I, I certainly don't love anything that, that somebody had to go through. But I just love that title. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, a rehab for naughty nuns. Mm-hmm. Really great. And, and that is part of why I've wanted to do this podcast for so long, because I think that they're just such funny stories. And to live them is tragic. Um, but to tell them as stories, you know, the, the guy that used to say that he could thread a sewing machine without turning it off because his hands shook so much, you know, or, or the man that woke up in Holiday Inn every time after getting blackout drunk. And he lived in here where I live in Portland, Maine. And one day he woke up in the Holiday Inn. He could tell by, you know, what was on the table bedside table but when he opened the window shades there were palm trees and he said oh I'm not in Maine anymore you know it's like how does someone in a blackout travel on an airplane and all the rest of it and survive we are survivors that that I do have to say is that is true that that is true because you know I think that what's important to remember is there are really fun, crazy times, you know, living like rock stars. Like those are really, really fun times. And I think that, you know, maybe from the outside, like some of the experiences I may have been having, you know, it looks like, wow, like you're just living your best life. You're just having a great time. But in reality, when you're waking up and you're in that like crippling, like anxiety, because like, I know this isn't, this isn't 
how I want to live or or that I'm causing a whole bunch of problems that actually the you know the the average person's not really seeing um and so yeah I mean great fun at parties for sure um but on a personal level, you know, as a mom or a wife or a daughter, I mean, people worried about me a lot. Yeah. And what you said earlier, too, it's all fun and games until the cops show up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's I think that's good. Awesome. Yeah, that needs to be a T-shirt. I need to I, I'm going to sell those T-shirts at concerts. Yeah. And, you know, I and I say that sometimes, too. It is. It's all fun until the cops show up or. It's fun until it's not fun anymore. Right. And that's often when we attempt to stop and often also discover that we can't just yeah. because we decide we want to. It's like, what happens next when you say, oh, I really can't go on this way and you're unable to stop. So I wanted to ask you too, Lori, if there are or have been any really challenging moments in recovery? Um, because we're sharing the dark side of addiction and the, and the light side, the humorous side, but also the, that there is a dark side when you're in recovery too. There is, I, you know, like I just told you, I'll, I'll be seven years sober um, this fall coming in, in November. And, you know, and it seems like there are always like these, um, like life changing moments that will happen. And that, you know, in that moment, you know, it's like learning to breathe or learning to walk, but, you know, and for me, one of the, I mean, there's been some tough points, but probably the, the toughest thing for me has been, and you'll have to excuse me, but losing my mother, just has, has probably been one of the darkest um, times for me because I I didn't have to do this sober. Like I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I've never done this before. But, you know, I mean, if you think of it even broader, like I haven't lived my life without my mom on this earth. And so that part has been hard because, you know, not gonna lie, you know, when you're when you're having that kind of grief and when you're um, trying to think like, really, this is pretty painful. Like what what possibly could make this pain go away? You know, and then and then, you, then in my, the back of my mind, there always is that. Wow. Like, geez, cold glass of, you know, rosé on a summer's day, you know, that could do the trick. And I you know, I my sobriety is really everything to me because it really cascades into the rest of my life and so that's not something that I'm going to do however it, it's it, you know it's tough getting through those moments of grief and and not being able to call her not being able to talk to her because she god like mom could give a good pep talk you know she'd give a good pep talk whenever I was having a day and so you know, that's been something that's really standing out to me as tough. So it's, it's those really life stressful moments, you know, and I am a person who has anxiety. And so sometimes things seem like a really big deal to me when they're not. And, um, you know, when they're not later, but in the moment, if I have 
deadlines or, you know, I've put too much on my plate. If, if I have just stretched myself too thin um, as an added component to the stress or grief I'm already feeling, it's really hard and it really sucks to be sober in those moments. Not going to lie. I, I love a couple of things that you've said. I'm not going to lie several times because lying really comes easy to addicts. Right? Oh, sure. uh, and, and the truth is that no matter who we are on this planet, we're going to have those challenges and those life moments, both the good and the bad. And for you to, you said you've never lived your life without your mom and you've never lived your life sober without your mom. So I think it is really courageous to go forward and find the support you need and whatever um, you need to be able to get through that and not pick up because I know for me, I'll, I'll keep it personal. For me, the drinking would only make a bad situation worse. There isn't any situation in my life, including the really hard ones that drinking will make better. There are only situations that drinking will make worse. And that I must be guaranteed of. Yeah, and I know that. And, you know, and hopefully that encourages other people that are listening who, you know, maybe you're sober, maybe you're just a couple days sober, maybe you're long time sober. But I think that it's just encouraging to know and to hear that I know that that there isn't any reason that would be worth it for me because I have so many things in my life right now that bring me peace and joy and that are so entwined with how I stay sober and why I'm sober that I wouldn't be willing um, to risk that. There's just, you know, on top of the the grief and, and the bad days, just sobriety, you know, it's just it just brings too many beautiful things to me, to my life and, and the reassurance, you know, that I need, even though it sucks sometimes, Nancy. Right. I, I really like that, you know, how bold that is to say sobriety sucks sometimes. Another t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. um, I just thought of the name of one of your brightest moments, um, Dash. Yeah incredible like like just it's it's life is so cool you know life is so cool and the universe is so cool and you know the universe god your higher power however you want to identify just you know the universe is a big old show off and you know speaking of in being intuitive i had a dream about a horse in a dream and in my dream I was really worried because I didn't have a halter for this horse and I needed to go on a pilgrimage with my family and I was afraid I was going to lose my horse and lo and behold I took this pilgrimage and this horse followed me the whole way and this was a long time ago. I remember talking to you Nancy about this dream I had a long long time ago and it was a dark horse and I want to say it was a she because she was a dark horse. And, um, you know, fast forward a few dreams, I wrote a whole record. When the record was over, I decided to call it Dark Horse because a dark horse is really like that contender that nobody really was even looking at. Nobody even like nobody even knew this contender was even 
in the top, you know, half to even win, but the horse won. And so I decided to call the record Dark Horse. And, you know, during this time, the pandemic, I've started riding again. And um, I don't know, this beautiful horse came into my life and she's dark. And I don't know, it could have been that horse in my dream. But Dash is, she's an almost eight-year-old mare that I get to ride and love. And she's like the best therapy in the whole world. So, um yeah, I decided to take up horseback riding, you know, after years and years and decades of not riding. Well, and you not only took up horseback riding, you, you bought the horse. I bought the horse. <laughs> not only, I know, it's like, if you're going to live, live like a rock star, right? It's like, yeah, that's my horse. So, you know, I think that's a good example, though, that I just want to kind of bring around and say that you know, none of this would be possible if I was still drinking. I mean, my dark horse, my dash, th this new record wouldn't even be because the new record really is me processing out like the, the last decade. It really is. It like starts sweet, like sort of as a teenager. Yeah. When we were like sneaking beers and having fun and, you know, going down the back roads and doing things we weren't supposed to. And then to the very end, which is just letting go, you know, and and that's the way it needs to be. It's just like, I forgive you. Like, I, I forgive me. Like, when I say I forgive you, I forgive me. And um, if, if that horse is not a significant and, um, like, critical part of my recovery journey, then I don't know what is. Well, I certainly believe Dash is an integral part and a wonderful, joyous part. Lori, how do people find you? Well, I have a way. Look, I have all the things, right? So you can go to www.lorijonesmusic.com. Um, and I have links there. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, just at Lori Jones Music. Um, all my music is on um, all the streaming platforms. You can go to Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon. You know, it's I have digital dis dig distribution um, in all those platforms. And, you know, if you're one of these people that's just good old fashioned, go to the website. Everything's there as well. And you can listen. And so um, so I'd like to think. It's out there, but you know, it's good to remind people to, to look. Um, I also have a YouTube channel that has music video um, for the song that I played. Plus I have a handful of new videos for the new record on YouTube and that's at Lori Jones music as well. Okay. And we will put all this in the show notes folks. So you can find it at liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. And Especially, I'll put a link to that YouTube of the um, good man. Oh, yeah. And is there any last comment you want to make? Any pearls of wisdom for our listeners? Well, I mean, I think that the pearl of wisdom is keep it simple. The pearl, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, for lack of sounding kind of cliche, one day at a time, really just... That's all we have, like get up and um, you make the decision today that um, that your life is good and continues to improve and that you can enjoy all the beautiful things that really um, life has in store for you. And so it's 
it, it seems simple, but I think it's tried and true. Um, just, just play it out today the best you can. There is an affirmation I often listen to in the mornings that says, today I will look for good and I will find it. I love that. Thank you very much, Lori, for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure. Mm. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Do you suppose we'll hear stories about addiction? We might. Oh. Stories about recovery, too? Mm. But mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars? And thieves? And gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. I went into Roots Cafe the other day, and I ran into a friend of mine who I happen to know is clean and sober. And he was sitting with his nephew, who I also learned is in sobriety. And I told him about our podcast, Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores. And he just loved the title and said, oh, I want that on a t-shirt. And I said, well...